5: Streaming and 3CR digital, podcast or audio on demand. And of course, the website,
4: solidaritybreakfast.org.au.
3: Solidarity forever!
0: Good morning, everybody. Annie here for Solidarity Breakfast on this fine Saturday morning. It might be dark out there, but it's actually quite nice. The moon is lying on its back in a slither. It's actually quite beautiful. A beautiful time of day to be riding your bike. Uh, Today we're going to go to a film from the Transition Film Festival. Uh, We're speaking to German filmmaker David Klemner, who has made a film called Blockade. Now, Transition Film Festival, of course, is online, so you can access these films throughout uh, the period of the uh, festival, uh, which we'll remind you about in Two Shakes of a Lamb's Tale. It was fascinating to talk to David because uh, he was actually, and we'll let him talk about it, but uh, it's interesting to lift our heads up and uh, uh, get a perspective from another country uh, uh, about um, the issue of fighting for forests and for a better future. Uh, we're going to uh, go follow that with a chat with uh, Dr. Helen um, about the Ukraine-NATO crisis, the US coup and the nuclear threat. Uh, I thought it was a, a good thing to actually ballast the uh, incredibly uh, strident mainstream media, which seemed to have uh, started from a dead stop shrieking about the war in uh, Ukraine, as if they were... Uh, sent a memo by the uh, big end of town to uh, make that the most important message when there is really no appetite for war. Uh, Nobody enjoys war, in fact, except for the people who make a lot of money out of it. So we are going to have a chat with uh, uh, Helen Caldicott, Dr Helen Caldicott, uh, to uh, give a little balance to the discussion. Uh, We're going to follow up that excellent report from uh, Stick Together about the hashtag fake strike that happened in New South Wales. Stuart Pims, who's uh, the Executive Director at the RBTU, is going to elaborate on what actually happened and uh, what's at stake. Uh, But before we do get on with the program, a bit of uh, information about the Transition Film Festival and other things in fact I should remind you that we're in the middle of a subscriber drive
4: I'm Tash Sultana and you are listening to 3CR please subscribe do yourselves a massive favour thank you
2: very much Transitions Film Festival returns this February with a selection of cutting-edge documentaries about technological innovations and changemakers leading the way to a better world. Themes include art, activism, climate change, food revolutions, artificial intelligence and the future of our planet. Transitions Film Festival, February 18th to March 13th with screenings in Melbourne and online nationwide. For the full program, visit transitionsfilmfestival.com. Transitions Film Festival is a 3CR supporter.
0: And the uh, chat that I had with uh, David Klemmer, uh, a German filmmaker, about his film Blockade falls squarely into the activist uh, theme at Transitions Film Festival. Uh, it was quite fascinating to me, to who has had something to do with some uh, forest blockades here. Uh, to hear and see uh, how it is affecting people in Germany. Uh, this is uh, what uh, David had to say. Uh, can you tell tell me how you became involved in making this film?
6: Ah, yeah. Okay. Well, generally speaking, I, I must say I'm I'm a photographer, not a documentary filmmaker so far. But well, maybe I. Uh, I'll become one. <laughs> so um, I was involved into um, documenting uh, the climate movement in Germany uh, uh, from 2018 onwards because uh, close to the place where I live in Cologne, um, the Hambach Forest was occupied also, and the Hambach Forest um, uh, was to be cleared by RWE, which is the power uh, company who runs. Um, that runs a, a brown coal uh, open pit mine uh, next to the Hamba forest. And they wanted to enlarge it, and uh, so therefore they, um, they wanted to clear the forest. And the forest was occupied in 2012, and so the occupation is still going on, it's still there, it's, uh, it's running for 10 years. And 2018, I started uh, a photographic documentary project um, on on the life of the people in the forest. So. Uh, I went there uh, quite often, and uh, I wanted us to uh, document the um, different way of living. I mean, living without electricity, without the amenities of a normal, normal uh, urban uh, society, and also maybe the, the different uh, ideas they have about uh, living with each other in an intentional society. So this project uh, came to an end uh, around 2020, and there will also be, uh, right now, a, a book is printed about that. And um, uh, 2019, I got an assignment by Greenpeace magazine on, uh, on forest protectors. So I went to different places in Germany where people um, uh, have, by different means, uh, protected and saved forests. So uh, during this uh, assignment, I also went to the Dunner Road Forest, um, where the occupation by then was going on for half a year, and I thought it's really interesting also to 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 do a documentary on this. But um, I wanted to do a film, a filmish, filmic documentary, because uh, I thought it's well, it has different means of telling things. That you can can work with emotions, you can let people talk by themselves, and um, by creating a documentary. Uh, uh you 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 reach in a different audience maybe than by just doing photographic work
0: yeah it's very interesting because you've got a you the very intimate look at what happened for these people uh and like and you were learning about how to do it at the same time is that what you're saying
6: yeah um the thing was um i i, I knew some people already from from the Humber forest so Quite a few people who, who were at the Dunder Road have been uh, to, to Hamba Frost uh, 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 before. So I had already, when I came there, uh, I already had some credibilities with the people and they trusted me. And also, uh, I think by being there alone and working uh, as a one-man team with a small camera, uh, I could work much more intimate than uh, if I would have been there with a crew, with a sound uh, sound person and the director or directress and everything so and my idea of uh, doing this film was also not only to create emotion by using a lot of music and musical scenes but also to um, uh, hopefully get some messages people can tra- transport into their real lives into their normal lives it's not about only fighting uh, uh, against big companies and not ab- only about uh, saving a forest but it's also about um, changing probably the means of thinking and uh, uh, what, what, what every person can do for himself or herself to maybe do little changes in, in, in her or his own life and uh, yeah maybe society even.
0: Yeah, the uh, people are very um, clear in their understanding of what it is they want to get across yes. to the German yes. population
6: yes i think I think this this was also for me the, one of the most amazing things that quite a few people uh, 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 quite a few climate activists are very self reflective they know that they can do this kind of civil disobedience only by uh, getting support from 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 people who earn a lot of money and have some spare money to spend for for equipment for food for for infrastructure lots of um, Lots lot of people who lived in that area they they brought in uh, uh wood to build tree houses or they brought in food or they uh there was one guy in uh in a town next to uh next to the forest uh who who um who supported them by providing uh uh a wifey. uh so he had a kind of uh, well he i think he was an amateur uh, radio guy and he he had a big antenna so he he streamed some kind of stuff over there so they could use Wi Fi in the forest. So um
0: one of the messages was that people contributed what they could contribute.
6: Yes, yes. I think that's that's I think that should be one of the messages. Like the older guy who said that in the treehouse, that uh, it's not I mean to, to change things it doesn't mean you have to to, to live in a treehouse and you have to uh, do we have to run into an open coal mine? Uh, but uh, you have to find your own means, depending on your age, on, depending on your uh, social capabilities, or whatever. Yeah, that's it. But I think the, the, I think one of the problems, at least in Germany, is that the uh, society is uh, dividing. Um, uh, um, it's more and more. I mean, people more and more tend to live in own bubbles, in small bubbles. And to find their own um, means of communication with each other, but I think the societies uh, develop in a kind of uh, there's an inner world. This is me, my friends, and my, the people who have the same opinion as I have, and then that's the outer world. That are the, the other people, and uh, uh, there's little communication between these two worlds. So we have, like I think in Australia, you also have the anti-vaxxers, and these these people also think. Uh, um, they're very sensitive, and their rights are cut, and everything, and so they 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 demonstrate and they go for rallies, but they do it for themselves only. I think they do it uh, for their own kind of uh, personal feelings. But the people who who uh, um, occupy forests and um, they try to, um, yeah, they try to change something, uh, also, yeah, the life of others, and they try to. Change them for the better things, and they they um, sacrifice a lot. Some of them, they they I mean, they they. Um, but they also know, and that's what you said. I think they're they're very self-reflective. They know that they are in a very privileged position. One one woman in the discussion says, "We are all white privileged people, and even the police that fights against us uh, consists of uh, white privileged people." And um, I think this is one of the things that. Uh, uh really um made a big impression on me that people know the uh kind of exactly in which position they are
0: there's a couple of things that's very interesting in your film uh you talk about the different age groups of people involved in mm-hmm. this particular fight that it's not just a mm-hmm. young person's fight it's an no, everybody's no, yes. fight
6: yes. Yes, uh, mo- of course. Most of the people who lived in the forest were young people, and because, well, most I think most of them they didn't have a family or whatever, but they were really supported by by the older generation. There was even a group that called themselves over 60. They went in to the forest also to to um, to block the police with their bodies, and they had this kind of white painter suits on, which is also this kind of uniform is also used by. Uh, uh, an NGO. It's called Geländer. These are the people who run into the coal mines quite often in, in big groups. And um, there's this one person also in, in the film uh, who's uh, uh, talking about uh, generations in the treehouse. And he's also a person I know from from Humber Forest from before. And he's he's a pensioner, so he's um, he has worked his whole life in a car factory, and uh, and he's also reflecting these things he says yeah i can do these things but other people might be able to do other things and it's it's not um it's not a hierarchy to say oh i'm uh, i'm 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 better at protecting the environment because uh i I live in a treehouse than other people who might well just probably um won't use a car anymore or uh, eat lesser meat or whatever yeah
0: there's a um an interesting discussion that runs through the film about the uh, digital age and people distancing themselves from the natural world, and how this is actually a problem.
6: Yeah, I think this uh, this is also more and more discussed in, in the climate movement right now. Uh, we still have a couple of uh, places where uh, which are occupied, like uh, there's a small town. It's called Lützerat, and uh, it's near to a. Uh, also, an, an open uh, cast uh, brown coal mine, and more and more um, means of indigenous thinking are, are discussed. I mean, uh, like, um, are we are we connected with the rest of uh, of the living world? Uh, is there a division between man, animals, and plants, and whatever? And uh, also, what is also discussed is let let I mean, uh, the people who suffer the most from climate change are uh, the ones who are the least responsible for it. So I think um, this might be also uh, a way of, of, yeah, different thinking. How 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 are we connected to forests? How are we connected to animals? How do we respect uh, uh, the lives of others? And it's um, it's something that we really should. Uh, should be discussed uh, in a deeper way and in with a deeper thinking, but I think it's very difficult for most people who who are living a normal life with jobs with kids with uh, maybe money problems uh, to think about um, a different way of um, yeah, treating uh, treating the world or the the environment yeah
0: yeah you in fact you spoke to an older fellow who was adamant that uh, the economy was the most important thing and, and that uh, people, it was a ridiculous thing to demonstrate. Ah, yes, yes, ah, yeah, yes,
6: the one, okay, that was the police scene and he would tell tells the people, well, if you want to demonstrate, go to, go to the Amazon and, uh, yeah, this is also, I think, uh, what, what you, you see in these discussions with this old guy and also with, with the police that, uh, in, in the end of the documentary, um, Uh, extracting the people from the tree houses is these two ways of thinking one says like yeah well I I need we need the economy uh, and we have we have laws and we have orders and we have to obey laws and orders and the policeman also tells uh, the young people look uh, in fact I'm on your side more or less but uh, I'm I'm the one that's sent up here to because of the law and um, so yeah, it's 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 always the same thing. You can you can argue about uh, moral law and legal law, but at the end you have to make a decision and you have to find a way. How um, I mean, how can you uh, justify what you've done for um, I mean, for yourself. I mean, what uh, and uh, are, are you willing to to risk? Um, are, are you willing to risk uh, uh, personal freedom by uh, yeah? Being brought into jail, for example, most most of the activists they, they glued their their, uh, their fingers and uh, so they could not be identified.
0: I noticed and, that. With, uh, that was the thing with the um, razor blade. Wasn't razor, it? yeah, with
6: the razor blades. Yeah, so with the razor blades, and they used some glitter, and they used use, use this uh, uh, instant glue on whatever. So like, uh, and we have uh, in, in Germany, we have a federal democracy, so we have different states in Germany. Like you have an Australia and in different states, we have different police laws. Like in some states, if if they cannot identify uh, your identity uh, and if you haven't done anything major wrong, like killing somebody or whatever, they can keep you in custody for 24 hours. In other uh, states, uh, they are the police is allowed to keep you into custody for seven days. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, so these are the consequences of quite a few people who were were um extracted um in the last days of the occupation that they, the police brought in them into custody and uh quite a few people didn't reveal their ident- identity and there's now also a kind of political process going on in Germany there's one activist and the police um she's now in jail for more than a year because the police says she um when the, when they wanted to extract her from a tree that uh that she hit a policeman and so she tried to to kill him or tried to uh at least um yeah hurt him very badly and uh so in the first first instance of the court uh she was um um she was found guilty so so now it's the second round of of court now going on and uh uh, it seems that she she will be released because uh, there's a lot of video material that was not shown in the first uh, court, which is now uh, um, yeah, examined also by the judge. And they realize uh, apparently she did not really hit the police officer and the police officer was secured very well and it was not really an attempt to kill him. So um, because I think most most of the people who are in, uh, in, in the climate movement are, are peaceful and they Once in a while, of course, Uh, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Watching your film was really fascinating because, uh, one, it shows all of us what's happening in the camp, but also the drama of the police arriving. But I I was fascinated by the incredibly intelligent discussions. One of the women uh, in the group was talking about how uh, ultimately the police become the addressees. Bit, yes,
6: yes yes, 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 this was I think also a very, very important discussion because um and i and i didn't I never insinuated any discussions. it was like because i was I was in the in the forest for such a long time, and I sometimes was just sitting next to people, and the discussion started, and then i uh, I was allowed to, to film it and I think also this this discussion is very important because people don 't understand when when people are uh, shouting at the police and, and they're saying, all oh, cops are bastards and all these kind of things. And what she explains, I think it was so reflective that she says, like, the police is not my enemy. But, uh, yeah, it becomes the address of our rage and of our fear. And she also says, like, that everything they use in the forest, uh, like the clothes they wear, the colors they use uh, for, for their posters and banners, that has all been produced uh, by really poor people in in Bangladesh or in other countries where they really have to suffer to produce these cheap garments. And still, uh, even even people in the occupation were wearing these garments. And um, I I was allowed to witness that... um, um, I didn't. You see, I didn't want to make a, a propaganda movie on people talking about capitalism and uh, sexism and uh, anti speciesism. Uh, I wanted to make a documentary where the um, the informations or the discussions can can be also somehow understood by by people who have never been involved with this kind of movement, you know, and who can find some sympathy even uh, if they didn't have sympathy for 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 the activists before.
0: Yeah, well, I think you manage it. I think you really do. I think it's a really interesting uh, uh, dissection of the issues as well as the dedication of the people who are involving themselves in defending the natural world.
6: Yes, and I think one, one, one for me also one of the most impressive part of this dedication was that they knew they would be evicted. And uh, it's also one of the things the old guy in the trio says, they knew they were evicted and they were trying to to make their life as and their tree houses and everything as beautiful as possible, although they knew everything would be destroyed in a couple of weeks. And then I thought, yeah, what is it all about? And I thought like, yeah, that's maybe one of the things life should be about. You, you plan your life, you plan things and... Uh, Try to make things also beautiful, although, you know, you will be dead one day or uh, you you don't know what tomorrow will bring to you. Uh, But they, in fact, they knew that everything would end. So, but it would not really end. It would like um, they carry on. They have it all in their hearts and in their lives. And they were bring these kind of living uh, to other places again. This is also one of what what the the girl uh, in, in the first scene who sits in the treehouse with her guitar at the beginning says, like, that she hopes that uh, um, they will bring seeds in the world. And uh, that's probably the thing uh, that, um, yeah, keeps these people going. Yeah.
7: Say oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three say oh clap your hands if you listen to three say oh yes so know where you are if you listen to three say oh clap your hands if you listen to three say
8: oh clap your hands if you listen to three say oh clap your hands we'll check out the happy vibe they gonna ring up and subscribe if you listen to three say oh clap your hands what?
6: Who
7: the hell's that? Slap your ears! What are you talking about? I ain't no elephant. Get out of here. Just is me radio. Slap your ears! Get out! Get the hell
8: out
0: of here now. Slap it, slap And as I said.. <coughs> We are in a subscriber drive at 3CR. Uh, just like a union, uh, community radio is the strength of its members and the listeners. And so, uh, if you've got a chance to uh, become a subscriber, that would be much appreciated. Thirty-five dollars for a unwaged person, uh, seventy-five for a waged, one hundred and fifty solidarity. You know, perfect for a um, piece of uh, listening um, heritage, Um, give us a call on... uh, during the uh, working week uh that would be the best because uh not so sort of, I'm here all by myself, so uh, give us a break basically you could possibly ring but uh and I could probably go to a pen and a paper and get down the details but uh you can also go online uh to become a member of three c r we'd much appreciate it and uh show us our love we show your love our love to you show us some love back. Um, we were just listening to David Klammer, who is a lovely fellow, a German filmmaker uh, from about his film *Blockade*. Uh, it is it's a wonderful, very intimate uh, 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 depiction of a uh, a blockade uh, at a forest in Germany against a uh, big highway going through a forest. Uh, it seems terribly pr- profligate to uh, destroy uh, the natural environment. Uh, when they so, uh, when we're in such a perilous position, <clears throat> and of course uh, with the endless uh, drummings of war, it's taken uh, the um, important uh, issue of climate uh, disaster off the main channels, as if it's, it's a, little, a bit like COVID. It is still happening and the nurses are still up against it, and the hospital system is still up against it, and people are still dying, but it's not on the channels, so people have sort of let it uh, disappear. It's like our mainstream media is all about gossip. It's a gossip uh, chain. And if it's not uh, repeated enough, then it's no longer an important issue. But of course, it is an important issue, and perhaps that's one of the reasons for why they're being to war, to p- take people's minds off the issues that are actually really important. Um, in shortly, we're going to be talking to Dr. Helen Caldercot uh, exactly about the Ukraine Na- uh, NATO crisis. Um, but before we do, important messages coming from the station and uh, contributors out there doing great things.
7: Contact us at Books and Boots or go to the website,
0: www.booksandboots.org.au. We love a good book.
2: Transitions Film Festival returns this February with a selection of cutting-edge documentaries about technological innovations and changemakers leading the way to a better world. Themes include art, activism, climate change, food revolutions, artificial intelligence and the future of our planet. Transitions Film Festival, February 18th to March 13th, with screenings in Melbourne and online nationwide. For the full program, visit transitionsfilmfestival.com. Transitions Film Festival is a 3CR supporter.
1: A system based on profits, inequality and oppression cannot deliver a society that works for ordinary people. Capitalism has to go. During this global pandemic, millions of lives have been sacrificed by the let it rip strategy, all for the sake of the capitalist economy. The far right is on the offensive in Parliament and on the streets, and all the while, our planet continues to burn. Now, more than ever, we need revolution. We need socialism. This April, the Marxism 2022 conference will bring together revolutionaries and radicals from across the globe to address the pressing need to fight the right and rebuild the left. Talks, discussions, film screenings and interviews will cover the history of working-class struggle, and burning questions for socialists today. Get your ticket to the biggest left wing conference in Australia at marxismconference.org. We have a world to win.
0: Marxism 2022 is a 3CR supporter. And you're back with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast and we've got uh, Dr Helen Caldicott on the line. Hello, Helen, how are you?
8: I'm very well, thank you.
0: Yeah, now, uh, of course, all the mainstream media is uh, from a... uh, dead stop, completely uh, full of uh, Ukraine-NATO crisis potential. Now it's moved to uh, World War III. Uh, Can you tell me what are the uh, things that people should really be concerned about?
8: Yes, (laughs) there are several things. First of all, uh, Putin made uh, some very sane objectives. He wanted Ukraine not to join NATO and he wanted all the NATO countries uh, had joined NATO since the end of the Cold War. He wanted America to remove its missiles pointing into Russia. James Baker, former Secretary of State, promised Gorbachev when the Cold War ended that NATO would not move one inch to the east like Lithuania um, and all the other little countries that have been released by the Soviet Union. However, that's not what happened. America violated its promise. And many, many of these countries um, joined NATO and spent about a billion dollars um, buying weapons from America's military-industrial complex. And so uh, Putin is aggrieved, and justifiably so, by being very upset by this. It's like uh, Russia moving into Canada and setting up missiles all along the Canadian border with America. Uh, And I don't think Americans understand the significance of this. Um, And what happened in the Ukraine there was uh, a revolution led by America uh, in the Maiden Square Massacre uh, and the democratically elected president of the Ukraine uh, fled to Russia uh, and a, a, a man who was formerly a comedian, Zelensky, was put in as the new president. Now, there are a lot of Nazis uh, in the Ukraine and they ha- they have been... Since the Second World War, and they, and but on the east of the Ukraine, Donetsk and Luhansk, those, all of the, those parts of the country are very Russian-speaking. They didn't want to join the new Ukraine. Uh, there was pressure for the Ukraine to join the EU. Um, and in that case, then the Russian-speaking people feared they would lose free health care, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, they, so what happened was that from Kiev, uh, Zelensky et al. sent in troops to shoot and kill and disturb the people in Donetsk and Luhansk. And that's what Putin has been upset about. Now, what worries me is that Putin gave a speech recently and he didn't sound terribly sane, going back 100 years, talking about Lenin, etc., etc., et, cetera, et cetera. Um, And he has now opened fire in the Ukraine, which is very disturbing when you watch women and children being terrified and buildings exploding, etc. Um, I thought he was just going to take over Donetsk and Luhansk, but he hasn't. And the fear is, not just with me, but with people who know that there could be a nuclear war. Russia and America have the greatest number of nuclear weapons in the world, each of them about 5,000, many of them on hair-trigger alert. In other words, if America... Thinks it sees missiles coming from Russia, um, it has a three minute decision time whether or not to launch its missiles. And the missiles only take 30 minutes to go from where to go bilaterally. As so a nuclear war in that sense would be over in about an hour, uh, killing billions of people and inducing over time nuclear winter, which is when, as the cities burn with oil and carbon and and the like, huge amounts of toxic black radioactive smoke are injected into the stratosphere, covering the earth with a cloud so thick it blocks out the sun for up to 10 years, inducing a very severe winter and crops die and we would all die in the the cold and the dark. So that's the basis of the fear uh, of those who really understand the political situation. Biden, I, I fear, is a so. What you're, what you're saying man. is
0: that's the most extreme outcome. Uh, it, you've you've painted a picture of uh, internal conflicts in uh, Ukraine. So there are uh, local internal players who have got agendas, but America has got form in, in regards of uh, using other states as cat's paws. Uh, So, for example, if you look at uh, what's happening in Yemen, where you've got the uh, Arab Emirates at the US behest completely violating that country, destroying and killing uh, for a particular political and economic outcome, one assumes, because Yemen was never a threat. So uh, the... um, the the desire of America uh, and Europe, who are beholden to Europe, uh, uh, Russian supplies of fuel, um, uh, you know there there's something uh, very uh, disturbing about uh, using uh, th- those issues as a way of diverting people's attention from much more serious issues, which are the environment.
8: That's true, and uh, much of this is led by the military industrial uh, organisation in America, Lockheed Martin, um, BAE, um, and many others. In fact, at the moment, their shares are going through the roof.
0: Well, surprise, surprise. Um,
8: And America's got 800 military bases in 80 countries. So (laughs) it's it's a, a very dangerous country, which... Calls itself uh, that it's got American exceptionalism. Yeah, they're exceptional at killing people, and it's not the Department of Defense per se; it's the Department of War, but more it's the Department of Murder and Killing, because that they've, they've killed over a million people since nine eleven um, in you know in Iraq, etc. It's just obscene, um, and over half the discretionary budget in America goes to these extraordinarily lethal weapons. What we should be doing at this point in time on the planet's surface is joining together, making friends, working cooperatively to stop global warming and stop, stop the destruction of the environment. Um, I wish, but the problem is, you know, that most governments are run by men uh, who are fueled by their testosterone. And, you know, 51% of the population is women. And we should stand up and, and actually take over. But uh, Which
0: happening. is a good, well, it's, it's a good message for uh, approaching um, International Women, Working Women's Day, I'll have to say, March the 8th, perfect uh, segue. Um, the uh, issue of, uh, I was really... Um, uh, t- Taken, uh, well, angered really when the headlines. There was a headline that said uh, Johnson, Boris Johnson's uh, says uh, uh, Russia is a threat to democracy, and I'm thinking Boris Johnson says uh, <laughs> Russia is a threat to democracy when they're in the middle of uh, trying to pass the most draconian anti-freedom laws uh, England has ever experienced in the democratic period.
8: Yeah, well, I mean, Boris Johnson's off his head, really. Um, Unfortunately, we've got men leading countries who really are inappropriate. Uh, If only we could have FDR back and Gough Whitlam, (laughs) we'd be on a better course.
0: Yeah. Well, um, it does seem uh, fairly threatening. Um, There is calls for a, a, a need for diplomacy. Do you think that diplomacy has any chance?
8: Yeah, well, if America went now to Putin and said, look, stop bombing, we're not going to allow the Ukraine to join NATO, we are going to remove all those missiles we've placed along your border, and do what he required. It's interesting. As I read yesterday that uh, Yeltsin asked Clinton, could Russia be part of NATO? And they said, no, Russia's too big. Uh,
0: so no. he's been <laughs> I mean, but the reason for why they've got NATO is to create the um, them and us scenario between yeah, them and Russia, right?
8: right? Yeah, and, and call the uh, new Cold War. So America really is uh, quite obscene and thinks it's the boss of the world, and it's very dangerous because it's all based on weapons build-up and uh, filling the coffers of these huge, huge military corporations making weapons to blow up the world. And we sit by, you know, we're the 51st state of the United States, really, and do whatever they ask us to do or tell us to do. That makes me feel sick, actually. That's why we need Goff back. <laughs> you know they, you know they got rid of Goff. I think because he was about to name the CIA operatives at Pine Gap the next day in Parliament. Pine Gap orchestrates nuclear war. We're right in the heart of it. So the problem is that people not being well educated about what's going on through the media, largely, is the result of bloody Murdoch. Um, he's the most dangerous man in the world. Uh, and, and, you know, th- even the ABC is intimidated by the Murdoch media. It's very, 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 very serious. And, and we need people who are uh, humanitarians. We need women, really, to take over who really understand what's going on.
0: Okay, well, let's hope there's a brighter future. Thank you very much for uh, talking to me this morning.
8: (laughs) And keep your fingers crossed uh, that we don't have a nuclear war because that's the end of everything. And it's quite possible, I have to tell you, that I've spent my life trying to avert nuclear war, written many books about it, but this is the closest, I think, that we've been for many, many years, and it's terrifying. Terrifying.
4: Went down to the 509, gotta keep those greedy hands in line. Hey guys, this land's not for a mine. So let's take a look at history. We'll learn that indigenous sovereignty is guaranteed by rights and treaty. They dig holes, down they go. Mixing water, changing flow. We won't let them know, no, no. We've the roads and set up camp Then the court's injunction says we can't Cause the FTC wants to make money It's way past the time to consult They which switch tactics, earn insult You can't bargain from a fixed result They dig holes, down they go Mixing water, changing flow We won't let them know, no, no Stop those holes from digging deep By respecting self Lungs cancer free, but gas spreads so easily. They dig holes, dig them deep, disturb poisons, peaceful sleep. Though you search uranium, your elite's radar. So if you mine uranium, who will watch the, the tailings of your dead and bed gone, cause they'll be here in the 50 millennium. millennium. Respect our Algonquin territory, they'll sell our health for dirty energy. Let's find a way to live responsibly. Let's stop those holes with needing deed by respecting sovereignty, let's work in solidarity. To stop those holes with needing me by respecting sovereignty, let's work in solidarity. Let's find a way.
5: This is Courtney Barnett. Please support and subscribe to Community Radio 3CR.
4: Primary school, and you're listening to community radio
0: on the 3CR. Yep, and you're back with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast. Uh, and of course, that was uh, Courtney Barnett. Uh, I find her hugely amusing in a very dry way. And there's a film coming out called Anonymous Club, which uh, looks at Courtney up close, so you might be interested in that. And uh, we're so lucky this morning we've got Kevin live after your uh, sojourn down the coast
3: yeah and we we certainly need a bit of luck this morning, don't we, because the show's been so cheery so far it's, uh, <laughs> we've, had, we've had roads ripping through forests in germany and um and we've had the threat of nuclear war, so it's really been a cheery little program so far
0: yeah. <laughs> that's right i should I should probably temper it a little bit, do you think
3: well? I'm not sure we're going to, but we'll see how we go, Andy. Okay, we, uh, go for it. Um, yeah, okay. A week's solidarity Bricky team, listen, when amid COVID and World War Three, there was just so much good news, exciting news, as the biannual reporting season saw record profits just everywhere, as record profits for fossils in particular had the great resource giants coffers overflowing, shareholders dancing in the streets. White Heavenly Money Coal, for instance, announcing a four hundred and sixty percent profit increase. Real figure. Wood Boss's side tripling its profit to nearly two billion and most exciting of all, Rio Tato the Planet a thirty billion dollar profit, the highest ever in Trublowazi corporate history, a record. This shows how selfish those indigenous people are for complaining about a little explosion, without which our profit could have been as low as, as 29 billion, and, and achieving this wonderful record balances our genuine sorrow at blowing up their old, useless stuff that they never used anyway. And no need to mention the obvious bottom line benefits of workplace bullying, sexual harassment and lack safety. Unfortunately, our excitement at these records, 460%, triple 30 billion, that are so good for all of us, was countered by a major, major blow to the economy. For the quarter, wages went up a stratospheric. showing the detrimental impact the greed of lazy, avaricious workers is having on the economy, without which those record profits could have been even more record, and that wealth would have by now been trickling down to all of us. That spray of yellow liquid we all appreciate. It shows mining billionaire Charles Bloated expressed his exasperation how those greedy workers mindless workers egged on by evil unions, mindless workers mind you, for whom we care so much about fail to reciprocate our care and think only of themselves their selfish selves on those like Charles who think only of the common good, notice the Victorian Chamber of Prophet Supremo, given the events of the week, the appropriately named Paul Guerra, Guerra presumably for war on worker greed, is talking of a vision for the greatest little economic order of them all, informing us COVID highlighted inequalities in our society. Well, not exactly, Paul. Some of us had a bit of an idea pre-COVID, although we rather suspect Paul figured the caring employers were suffering the inequality. And COVID had also highlighted vulnerabilities in our economy. For instance, he mused, It exposed the negative impact on the economy of caring employers having to pay their own workers and the positive impact of the public purse meeting those crippling costs. Yeah, good point, good point. Paul is also certain to turn his attention to and be just as concerned about those Victorian caring employers who have most definitely not been paying their workers super entitlements to the tune of a mere seven or so billion, a a little inadvertent oversight. Worry for the poor dears, though. The tax department reckons it's going to crack down on the family trusts of the filthiest rich of the filthy rich, which it claims that, this is so ludicrous, are used to evade taxes. Uh, Sorry, sorry, meet their legal tax obligations, prompting tax accountants to claim this will ring alarm bells for beneficiaries of thousands of trusts. Don't our hearts have to go out to them for the stress this will put them through? One tax accountant told us the extent of the alarm bells. There's no doubt they will be forced to spend more of their not-so-hard-earned on us to ensure they continue to meet their legal tax obligations. Uh, but, But most of them pay nothing, and that is not without cost. They pay us generously to ensure they do meet that legal tax obligation, Uh, Well, legal non-tax obligation. You're being semantic. Oh, sorry, sorry again. On Guerra and those events of the week... The U.S. of the U.N. of the U.S. of the world's NATO bit of the U.S. of world was forced to react to evil Russia being a bit upset about U.S. of NATO bit trained killers on various parts of its borders, by putting lots more U.S. of NATO bit trained killers on various parts of its borders, and then was forced to impose sanctions on evil Russia when evil Russia got a bit more upset. And our big supremo scuttlebutt Morlachson, A.K.A. Scammo, and- echoed the U.S. of alarm at people who would bully other countries and was outraged that evil China had not also echoed the U.S. of and expressed its disgust at people bullying other countries. And then Vlad put in the train killers, put in the train killers. And we saw shots of bombs flashing, exploding on urban skylines. Evil, evil bombs. Just like the shots of bombs flashing, exploding in Gaza. Good, good, liberty, freedom and democracy bombs. And bombs flashing, exploding in Baghdad. Good, good, liberty, freedom and democracy bombs. And Afghanistan and Syria. In Syria, they were good or evil, depending who did it. And numerous other examples of mostly good, good, liberty, freedom and democracy bombs flashing, exploding. And, And I thought... I'm not sure the dead and the injured and the displaced would give us stuff whether the bomb is good or evil. And I sat down and studied the form guide and thought Joe Biden Capital and his little acolyte Scummo versus Vlad Put in the Train Killers, who do we barric for? meanwhile the merchants of death are just barracking and rubbing their hands together also barracking and hoping it can rub its hands together more good news from the slaughter woodside with bosses has not only announced record profits but quote if the war chokes energy supplies in europe woodside with bosses could snare a multi-billion dollar windfall wonderful news we'll all be better off Displaying its renowned balance in these matters, the Lord Rupert of Wapping Sin has taken to headline the plutocratic dictator as Mad Vlad and Vlad the Invader. Nothing but objective. Objective ad in a local rag down the surf coast where I spent a few days for a mob called Lifestyle Communities flogging Strike While It's Hot with with 20,000 reasons to downsize this year. I'll live out in that ever-expanding development between Geelong and Torquay, doing wonders for the environment, miles from minor lifestyle inputs like services. But the bit that got me, no stamp duty, no council rates, and the most important lifestyle advantage of all, no raters next door. Now, we know how unsocial and antisocial and destructive of property values public housing renters next door are, but no renters, renters generally, obviously an inferior race who must be banished to, uh, well, anywhere but next door. And I know we can be critical at times of Scummo displaying our biases, but this week we had to thank his God, that he is so vigilant, so wise, so logical, able to advise us not only about World War III, but about catastrophic dangers close to home as Sydney's public transport ground to a halt Monday, Scummo fingered the culprit. And if we thought evil unions were evil before, as we have thought, have known, thanks to alarming warnings from government and caring employers, listener, it gets worse. Not just evil unions, but the evil extremism of the Socialist Party. This is a sign of what to expect under a socialist government, Scummo warned. If people want to hand the country to unions under a socialist government led by the most left-wing socialist leader in 50 years since Gough Whitlam, and that's probably being a bit unkind to Gough Whitlam, you might have to go back further. This is what they can expect. This is what the socialists think they can get away with when they think they're going to win an election. Imagine what they'd be like if they actually won it. Imagine why they might even put worker representatives on the fair work. True Was he no longer work choices, just looks like it con mission. Scummo also thankfully alerted us to a bigger threat, especially with what's happening in Eastern Europe. The evil unions and therefore the Socialist Party are a threat to national security. And if we want proof, go no further than a recent Zoom meeting in which the Manufacturing Workers' Union Secretary joined Noam Chomsky in condemning... Sit down, listener. Talk about untrue blue lapdogs of evil autocrats condemning the AUKUS nuclear submarine deal. For God's sake, how more perfidious could you get? Noam Chomsky, we all know what he's like. And all of that, listener, was... The bottom. No satirical embellishments. Given that Tarad arose from Scummo attacking the evil public transport union for going on strike, just a, a bit of a pity he forgot to do a fact check on whether they were on strike. And given they were not on strike, but locked out by Scummo's ideological mate, New South Wales Supremo Dom Parrot talk, we can assume Dom is a threat to everything we stand for, a threat to national security... Although, no, no, the evil unions must have been so evil they goaded poor Dom into closing down the entire system when he didn't have to, which just goes to show how evil the evil unions and the Socialist Party are. And thank you, Scummo, for your timely and logical and reasoned warnings. Aren't we lucky to have him? Oh, and finally, if that bit about the most left-wing socialist leader in 50 years has us bewildered, listener, yes, he definitely meant Anthony all being oozy. And we suppose the worry is, he might be. Good morning.
0: Good morning.
3: Okay, morning, Annie, and uh, yeah, okay, back next week.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And uh, that, of course, was Kevin with uh, This Is Week That Was... uh... Uh he uh, brought up the subject that's been on everybody's list, which is hashtag fake strike. And um, I actually uh, decided that I was going to get uh, a bit of an update on what actually happened for the uh, Rail, Tram and Bus Union, RBTU in New South Wales, and how it's been um, registered by the union nationally. So I had a chat with... Uh, Stuart Pym, who is, his his title is Executive Director, but uh, he uh, he had lots to say about what actually happened in New South Wales last week. The RBTU in New South Wales have been um, working on the EBA for quite a long time and have done some rolling actions, but nothing as severe as a full-on strike, correct? Correct, and we still haven't still haven't run a strike, to be honest.
7: Uh, It's been an incredible week and certainly the first time in my experience of working for a trade union that workers have been accused of striking when they actually turned up for work.
0: So tell us about the day. Tell us what happened.
7: Yeah, so essentially the the union notified Sydney Trains of planned industrial actions on the 9th of February and they were low-level industrial actions, the we believe wouldn't have a material impact on services. Um, But then the New South Wales government dragged the RCBU into the Fair Work Commission late last week in an attempt to stop workers from taking those actions. And after failing to get the outcome that it wanted from the commission, Sydney trains proceeded late at night on Sunday night into the early hours of Monday morning to shut down its entire network. So our members turned up to work on Monday and they weren't allowed to do anything. And while they were stuck in their middle rooms, the New South Wales Minister for Transport, David Elliott, uh, and the Prime Minister both went on commercial radio in Sydney to falsely tell the public that Sydney trains weren't running running because workers were on strike. And in fact, Minister Elliott then went as far as to saying that the the actions of workers amounted to terrorist-like activity And this perception that the shutdown was was caused by workers was reinforced by notices that were stuck up at train stations that repeated the lie that the shutdown was caused by industrial action, when in reality, the shutdown was a decision that was made deliberately by the state government itself.
0: My God, that's so incredibly underhanded, isn't
7: it? Like I said, I've I've never seen something like this uh, in uh, in 13 years of working in the, the trade union movement, normally when uh, when unions go on strike, we own it. It's, an, it's a legitimate industrial tactic. Uh, but in in our industry, uh, we make sure that we give passengers advance notice when we're taking that sort of action because we know that, that industrial action on the public transport network has consequences for commuters and for the public and we need to give them to make alternative arrangements. So this happened at very short notice. Communities had no warning whatsoever and they were understandably angry about it and they took out that anger, unfortunately, on our members.
0: So can you go back to the Fair Work Commission and tell us what was actually uh, at dispute? Why did they take you to the Fair Work Commission?
7: So the actions that we, uh, we had filed included a ban on altered working, which is essentially a form of work-to-rule, whereby workers uh, stick to what they are rostered to do and don't take on extra unrostered work during the day. And as I said, our our view was that this would have caused minimal disruption to services, especially given that the employer had two weeks' notice to ensure that enough staff were rostered on to deliver the timetable as planned. But uh, we subsequently have found out that the the Transport for New South Wales had privately drawn up plans to shut down the network on the basis that it believed those uh, those industrial actions would represent a safety risk. Uh, It's worth noting that the claim about a safety risk was never mentioned to the RTBU in the two weeks between us notifying the action and the fair work hearing, and we didn't get an opportunity to sit down with them and, and talk about their concerns and, and work out in a resolution because our, our union certainly takes rail safety incredibly seriously. It's, it's uh, always our top priority, and we would never uh, deliberately take an industrial action that would put safety at risk.
0: In fact, uh, the RBTU during the COVID uh, situation was actually on the front foot in regards to safety, uh, while Transport New South Wales was a little bit behind, I'd have to say.
7: Certainly, in regards to our members on the bus network in particular, I think our our buses were at the forefront of arguing for uh, the need for passengers to be wearing masks. Uh, and in this dispute as well, a, a core part of our claim in the industrial dispute behind um, this week's uh, shutdown, if you like, is the fact that we want to make sure that hygiene uh, and cleanliness is maintained on the on the rail network. I think the COVID crisis has really put a spotlight on the importance of maintaining cleanliness and hygiene on public transport, and we want to make sure that those operations are kept in house in Sydney Trains, and that uh, hygiene and cleanliness is not sacrificed uh, for cost-cutting purposes. So you're right; it's safety is is critical to uh, our not only our industrial claims, but what we do to make sure that workers and and public transport passengers are are kept safe. And we find the whole argument that's been put forward this week that our actions would have constituted a safety risk, frankly, to be quite insulting.
0: The other thing is, um, can you give us some idea about what are the sticking points in regards to the EBA? Why is it so difficult for... Uh, New South Wales Transport to actually come up with uh, a working plan?
7: Mm, The EBA negotiations right, have been dragging on for a long time and and the agreement expired in the middle of last year. The reason I think that it's become so complicated is we've got to the point in New South Wales where we're not just arguing over pay. we're, We're really fighting for the future of passenger rail services in New South Wales. And among the sticking points in the negotiations are privatisation. We want a commitment that no train services or lines will be lost in the event of uh, privatisation. Safety, we want to guarantee that any changes to services will leave those services as safe or safer. And hygiene, we want a commitment to maintaining the existing level of hygiene using good full-time jobs. So we're really going for uh, – our claims are not just about workers' conditions. Our claims are about the future of the network and ensuring that the people of New South Wales are served by a safe, reliable uh, and publicly owned public transport system that operates in their interest. um,
0: What happened on the day – I mean people turned up to work but and you said they weren't able to work did what did they hire security guards?
7: No, they were uh, our members were just told basically to to sit around in meal rooms and wait for further advice. So we had thousands of workers idle and getting paid, which was extraordinary and and watching the news and seeing themselves being maligned by politicians. Uh, and listening to people talk about how they were on strike, it was an extraordinary situation uh, and very frustrating for our members because as a you know, if, if they were on strike, they would have been out the front with placards they would have been they would have been on picket lines and and demonstrating and making their voices heard, but instead they were uh, but they actually felt as if they'd been sort of pushed aside and hidden while politicians were lying about what was going on and misrepresenting them. And I think some of that frustration came out when our members uh, took it upon themselves to set the record straight. And we held a a press conference that morning at Central Station, where our our branch secretary, Alex Alex Clashens, got up and forcefully made the point that workers went on strike. Uh, And he was surrounded by workers in their, in their work gear, uh, in their, their uniforms, and they are quite prepared to stand up in front of the, the cameras and, and to say the truth and say that what politicians were saying about them was simply wrong.
0: So who told them to go to the um, meal rooms? So is there a... What sort of structure uh, the, is there? Ah, uh, it, it was... Uh, Instruction
7: from Sydney trains bosses through their, their management uh, which is through the management structure that came down to to our rank and file members and, and, and workers they turned up. I, 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 it wasn't uh, a case of the um, like train stations and depots being boarded up or, or locked up. It was simply uh, a management directive that no services were to so, run. So, hence that, that was why um, they were actually on site. They were sitting around in the millage, and as I said, they were still getting paid. Um,
0: so, this is actually a publicity stunt, isn't it? This is to undermine the general public's support for the workers on the railways and the buses.
7: And I think it's really
0: hard to to, to work out what was going on?
7: And it's, it's hard to see any sort of sensible strategy from the government as to what this was about. And I'm not sure if the people running Sydney trains are just monstrously incompetent and couldn't be trusted running a game of Connect Four, let alone a complicated urban rail system, or if there is something more sinister and pre-planned behind it all. And if it really was a plan, industrial and political strategy. I'd have to say that it has backfired on the state government. We've already learned this week that transport agencies have actually been preparing for a shutdown for two weeks. So that, that does indicate that there was a degree of planning behind this. And in fact, they had a, had prepared a detailed brief of evidence about the impact of an extended shutdown to present to the Fair Work Commission. So it is implausible to think that the Minister and his office did not have any idea that a shutdown was on the table, but at the end of the day, I think we all want answers as to what actually happened and why it happened and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on the state government and the transport agencies over the coming weeks about this.
0: So where does it leave you guys now what's what's happening now
7: well we're back negotiating again, and ironically the the system uh, should be back up and running on Monday to the timetable that was was planned. And the industrial actions that we were intending to take uh, are still on the table. So, so the, far from the safety risk that was being uh, proclaimed uh, this Monday, next Monday the same industrial actions will be in place and the system will be operating as per normal, which casts I would say, some doubt on the claims of uh, safety Armageddon that the government were putting forward earlier this week. So in that regard, we're glad that rail services will be back back up and running. We're glad that our members will be back at work. But now we get back into the hard slog of negotiating again. And out of this week, the, the Transport Minister has actually made commitments that he will negotiate uh, with us on the issues that we've raised, and we're hopeful that out of all of this, we've actually uh, got over over something of a hill, and that now we can get down and get some some tougher outcomes out of the EDA process, and that the government will take our claim seriously, and and hopefully we'll be in a position to go back to our members relatively soon uh, with um, an agreement that that would. Uh, that they will consider. But at this stage, uh, that's that's still a hope. We still have a lot of work to do and and we're back at the negotiating table.
0: Have there been calls for the Transport Minister to resign?
7: Yes, there have. They certainly have. And he has some pretty serious questions to, to answer. Uh, during the week, he claimed that um, he had no say in the decision to shut down the network. He said that the decision was made purely by transport bureaucrats and that they made it uh, in the middle of the night while he was asleep.
0: Oh, how shocking.
7: Uh, as as uh, There's been a real failure in ministerial responsibility and accountability. And that's not how the Westminster system is meant to work. When it comes to such a, a significant decision about how...
8: Uh,
7: yeah, uh, metropolitan city the size of Sydney operates and the importance of its public transport network for a minister to say well I had no say in it because it's purely an operational matter is just outrageous and the minister needs to understand that he, that's his job it's his job to make these, these decisions but it's actually hard to reconcile what's gone on and his state his insistence that he had no say in it. Um, I think there will be a lot of scrutiny over the next few weeks to see if his office was aware of what was going on and how much of a role they played in the preparation for what actually occurred late on Sunday night and early on Monday morning.
0: It is very interesting. We've got a Prime Minister who does this on a regular basis. And we've had things like uh, the sale of uh, land at exorbitant prices under Fletcher, who then said that uh, uh, it was all the bureaucrat's fault. He had nothing to do with it. Uh, I mean, this seems to be, and now this kind of thing coming out of the uh, Liberals in New South Wales seems to be a theme, really.
7: And we shouldn't forget the role that the Prime Minister played in this. Uh, he was very quickly onto commercial radio in Sydney to reinforce the point that had been made by David Elliott that the rail shutdown was caused by a strike by workers. He then, several hours later, made the point again, even more forcefully, at a media doorstop in Tasmania. Uh, and he even went as far as linking the you know, fake strike. To, you can expect to see more of this under a Labor government to try and turn it into a political attack. And, and that in itself makes us suspicious that there was a degree of political planning behind what happened uh, and that it may well have been orchestrated as a, uh, an attempt to smear workers and to smear unions and to smear the Labor Party.
0: And also notice he was in a doorstop in Tasmania, conveniently out of New South Wales.
7: Conveniently out, out of New South Wales. Since then, I should note that a lot of our members, because the, the, the shutdown was um, was implemented so quickly and because communities didn't have a chance to make any preparations, there was a lot of community anger over what had happened and that anger was directed at, at our members. We've had instances of members being uh, abused, of being racially abused, uh, of being physically assaulted in at least one opportunity. And, and I can tell you that in our union office, we've had many threatening and abusive messages and phone calls, including death threats. So this, the, the language that was used by the New South Wales Minister, the New South Wales Premier and by the Prime Minister was highly inflammatory and it had real world, world consequences for our members. And we have demanded that those politicians apologise for the language they use and the consequences that their words had for our members. We have heard nothing back from the Prime Minister. He has completely ignored the issue and uh, he's burying his head in the stand and basically hoping that the smear sticks. It's it's extremely disappointing, uh, but we are getting on with the job, doing our best to represent our members. Uh, And fighting the good fight and we'll continue to apply pressure to the state government and to the federal government, uh, not only to deliver uh, a fair and reasonable enterprise agreement for our members, but to ensure that uh, public transport services for the people of New South Wales and and. And all the other states around Australia where we represent public transport workers, we want to ensure that those services deliver what communities need. And at the same time, we want to see politicians who are actually prepared to tell the truth. And we didn't see that this week. It must be a mistake here because, you know, you know it, like I say, it, it, genu- at first it genuinely looked like a conspiracy and a setup. And I thought, no, that can't be right. I must be missing something because not not even... Not even these guys would stoop so low. I'm missing something here. It wasn't until the end of Monday and I was sort of watching the, it all play out in the news that that actually happened. It was real. It's, not, it's, you don't, yeah. Seeing, seeing them spring out of the blocks and so quickly go to that sort of outrageous rhetoric about terrorists and strikes and holding the city for ransom. It, 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 it fixed, your, and, and, then to, and then for the truth to come out that it, it wasn't a strike at all, it was a, a lockout. Uh, it's, even with Qantas, I mean, at least with, with Qantas, but they owned it. They, 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 they weren't, you know, they didn't lie about the fact they were locking out their workers. They were quite you know, open about it, it as an industrial strategy. So how this week's been really strange.
0: Thanks very much for talking to me, Stuart.
8: Hi, I'm Ruby from Fitzroy
4: Primary and you're listening to Community Radio on 3CR.
2: Join 3CR for a day of special programming in celebration of International Women's Day on Tuesday the 8th of March. With a stellar lineup featuring 24 hours of international current affairs, music,
7: arts, activism, culture, and much, much more. This is a unique broadcast that
4: you won't hear anywhere else. We'll bring you the usual celebration of non conforming feminism. No leadership breakfast here. Just 24 hours of grassroots radical discussions by women and gender non conforming presenters, producers, and musicians dismantling the patriarchy, taking collective action, and imagining the future of feminism.
2: This year's celebrations include a street party in the lane alongside 3CR from 4 pm to 8 pm in Little Victoria Street. There'll be music, performers, food, and friends. Can't make it? You can also listen live. This is a COVID-safe event.
1: So join 3CR
7: in celebrating the amazing women and gender non-conforming people in your community. From midnight Monday, the 7th of March, until midnight on Tuesday, the 8th of March. For full details, head to the website 3cr.org.au slash IWD2022.
5: (laughs)
0: You're back with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast and we have come to the end of the program today. Uh, Just to run down what we had on the program, we were listening to a chat I had with uh, David Klammer. He's a, a German filmmaker who made a film called Blockade, which is featured in this year's Transitions Film Festival. There are screenings in Melbourne, but it's also online. So you just need to go to Transition. Transitions Film Festival, and you will find it online, so no worries about that. It was quite fascinating to uh, to me anyway to hear conversations about the experiences of people in Germany that uh, m- uh, mirror many of the thing issues that are happening in Australia. Uh, despite war talk, it uh, the climate is where it's at, and uh, uh, politicians and uh, big business need to fall in line to community expectation. Uh, and we were speaking to Dave, uh, Dr Helen Coldicott uh, about the uh, potential for nuclear threat out of this uh, saber rattling that's going on in uh, the Ukraine at the moment with uh, the US poised with its uh, mates, England and Australia, to uh, wreak havoc in uh, the guts of Europe uh, always useful to the economic big boys to have a fight in Europe. Uh, we, uh, followed that with, uh, the return of the wonderful Kevin Healy with This is the Week That Was. Great roundup, Kevin. And, uh, we finished off with a little bit more information about the, uh, what's now being called hashtag fake strike. Uh, The uh, New South Wales government deciding that it was going to hide behind uh, Transport New South Wales' decision to shut down the uh, rail and bus system in Sydney to prove a point or to bolster their master's uh, federal election campaign and anti-union assaults just because they don't actually want to do their job, which is called governing. We're going to go out with uh, a piece that uh, came, uh, I recorded at the uh, most recent uh, Human Rights Day. Uh, Tariq uh, sang uh, at the event, Uh, and it's a tribute to people who have survived war and uh, understand war and call for its cessation. Coming up next is Asia Pacific Currents.
4: Uh, The meaning of the song is... uh I wish there should be no war in my country and I should not be forced to left, leave my
8: homeland. I should stay in my homeland always. There should be no war in my country. So, the, this is the, the main title of the song.
4: Hmm. Tani khurşidra basta bez anjir Nawa'i ghurbatu hissi juda'yir Ba'tash kashat, jani musafir Ba'tash kashat, jani musafir